0: Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Housing Matters Podcast. This is Oscar Way, and along with me is Jordan. Hey, everyone. Hey, we have uh, a couple weeks of a little bit of uh, ups and downs. That's right. Um, and uh, maybe a housing market. Um, but I think in general we have some good news in the uh, October sales release, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. It was our best month this year since January. Uh, in really? Fact, yeah, sales went up 8% in October uh, compared to the same point last year, which is um, you know, a very fast pace of growth, faster than we've seen most of the year. Uh, and actually, the level of sales, we're running about 442,000 units uh, on an annualized basis, which is the highest level we've seen, I think, going back to 2014, so more than three years. That's uh, right. And actually, this number, it wasn't just good relative to last year. Uh, we had been running in the negative through the first nine months of the year. Now, this October number actually pushed us up into positive territory. So, through the first 10 months of this year, we're actually 0.4% ahead of the first 10 months of last year. So, you know, it's not a huge increase, but we had been running in negative territory, and that was enough to actually kind of tip the scale so that we're actually up in 2016. That's, that's good news, and uh, an 8% increase is
0: pretty impressive, I know um that's what we've been longing for uh, a better month and i want to say of course people may not necessarily remember last year in october we had the trip 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 implementation that's right uh, but i think it's more towards the end of the month than the beginning of the month so of course uh i'm not going to take away any credit of maybe a strong market
1: uh, i just wish that we would have known this before our forecast revisions are yeah early. exactly well you know i i tried to to the pessimist in me really wanted to kind of find the negatives uh-huh. in this report um, and it was just really tough to do we saw you know solid growth in southern california and in the central valley as well prices continue to right. rise prices? yes um and so you know i think the demand for housing is still there we just got a report this morning saying that california added another thirty-one thousand jobs Uh, that's great in october and so you know i think this is all just part and parcel of an economy that continues to slowly get better um you know and that's kind of trickling through with pent-up demand for housing um and finally translated into this uptick in sales last month that's
0: good and i think possibly in the upcoming month i'm not predicting anything but uh, in the upcoming month in in november there could be it could be another positive month partly because of what i mentioned about uh, earlier about trade. That's right. TRIT took a took a the market took a hit, you know, when trade implementation um, was implemented last year. Now talking about uncertainty and a, a hard to predict forecast. Oh no. Nobody would
1: have predicted what
0: happened earlier last week, right?
1: Yeah, i guess we got to kind of tip our hat to the literal and figurative elephant in the room, um, the election. That's exactly right. And i think uh, it was a surprise
0: to many people, and right after uh, the results became uh, a little bit more clear, I took a look at the uh, what happened in the financial market, the future market, yeah. and it seemed to suggest, it seemed to have suggested that the market is going was going to go down. Um, I think initially the Dow Jones futures pointed to a 700 point down. Oh well. uh, but then the day after the day right after election things seem to turn
1: out a little bit better. Yeah, and the market's slowly been bouncing back. I always kinda hesitate to put too much stock into (laughs) what happens uh, with stocks obviously because I think they tend to be uh, a little bit more hyper reactive than your average you know consumer citizen out there and everybody's always trying to get ahead of the curve but I think um, one thing is absolutely clear which is that there's a lot of uncertainty out there
0: right that's why I want to point it out you know why do we have such an ups and downs in the market um, and partly it is because of uncertainties uh, uncertainties about what kind of policies Uh, our president-elect is going to implement, right? I know during his campaign trial, he mentioned a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, About uh, the infrastructure, about tax cuts, about uh, global um, uh, uh, trade environment. Uh, Do you think many of those are going to be implemented or are we you know it's it's
1: hard to say i mean i think the you know let's face facts the election wasn't very heavy on specific policy proposals um you know we're we're all kind of grasping at straws and trying to make the most out of things that have been said and you know extrapolate that out to what it really means um but you know we've gone through and looked at some of the things that we think are are the most critical at least for you know especially for the housing market here in California. Um, you know, and I think that that one thing that we've already seen coming down the pike is is what's going on with rates, right? I mean, they're up pretty big,
0: right? Right, yeah. Those, so you're right. There are a few things that we want to talk about, but let's talk about rates. Rate seems to be uh, walking into a more clear direction than I originally thought. Now, before the election, we thought, okay, well, December we probably will see a rate hike, right? And right after the election, between last uh, Tuesday or last Wednesday to now, we are actually seeing some increase in interest rates even before you know the December rate hike actually being implemented. We're seeing some intre- increase in interest rates. Yeah, what- the
1: Fed hasn't even done anything yet, right? And I think uh, as of today, which is we're recording this on November 18th, um, what did rates jump to? Like 4.1%, so. I,
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, before then it was, before the election it was around, right around 3.55, 3.57. And the last I checked was, I think uh, uh, the uh, Freddie Mac Mac weekly update says 3.94, but I have seen rates at around 4.1.
1: Yeah, I think if you look online, quoted rates right now are around 4.1%. That's a pretty huge uh, 50 basis point jump in, in mortgage rates. And like you said, the Fed hasn't even made a move yet. That's purely on the basis of kind of the markets and what's happening specifically with treasuries. I think if you look at the 10-year T-note, uh-huh. uh, they're up about 40 basis points. So almost all of that wow. increase in, in bonds passed through to the mortgage rate this week. And, and that's going to crimp affordability that's there are a couple reasons why it it, it went up let's kind
0: of go through it Um, inflation expectation is one thing I'll let you elaborate a little bit yeah no I mean
1: I think people are betting on more growth I think that's clear and I think that's kind of the corollary to what we saw in the bond market right bonds Uh are really a a safety investment that's where you park your money when you're worried about losing your money right Um, you know as the demand for those bonds goes away you know people aren't as worried about safety then you know they've got to pay higher and higher yields to to kind of attract those investors into those T notes, and and as a result, we saw those those bond rates go up, and and that passed right through into the mortgage side. And so I think you know it's a combination of both, thinking that there's going to be a little bit more inflation, uh-huh. a little bit more economic growth if we get a tax cut or a stimulus plan, which I know we want to talk about that a little bit later right. as well, um, but but you know i think all of those things kind of translate into um, you know higher rates less demand for security and more people going out and thinking that the economy is going to get better and and kind of pushing those longer term yields up
0: right and i think you mentioned earlier about uh, uh, another report of job growth which means that we are very very close to full employment if not already at full employment and if you put more money into the hands of consumers of course Uh, It might actually put more pressure on uh, wage growth.
1: That's right, because you don't have any slack in the in the system left to absorb at this point. Almost, I know the economy hasn't really been, um, you know, roaring back. Uh But we have absorbed a lot of the losses that occurred during the Great Recession. And you know, if you look, even here in California, where we got up into the you know double mid double digit uh, unemployment rates, we're down at five point five percent and right know, there's there's just not a lot of slack there so if you continue to kind of pump up the economy um it's really going to try and put pressure on wages which is ultimately going to translate into more inflation and of course you know higher interest rates
0: and um, of course that's one of the reason why interest rate 30-year fixed rate has been rising and i do believe though yes the federal reserve will and of course we will we will have a debate on that you know if leslie is around here sure uh, but I do believe that the December rate as a federal funds rate will will increase and most likely next year there will be incremental increase in 2017 I've heard someone said maybe about um, 50 to 75 basis point mm-hmm. my personal belief is it actually searched the search that we, we saw in the last week or so that's because a lot of people as you mentioned pull money out from the bond market put the money in stock Stocks because of real, estate belief, real estate In real estate be, because of their belief that you know the economy will, will continue to grow and a lot of economists believe that is going to be the case too there will be additional growth because of the fiscal stimulus and knowing that everyone who is in a financial market want to be the first person to invest in to take the first person advantage right so a lot of money i personally believe has already been pulled up from the bond market and put it in the stock market already that leads to the surge in the significant surge in rates um, and i think there will be more rates increase but i think it will not be as significant
1: yeah i don't think we're gonna see a sustained kind of 40 basis point per week jump in mortgage rates um, you know just given kind of global capital flows and I mean let's face it the US is still a, a safe haven compared to you know the issues that are happening in Germany and and or Europe more generally in Asia and things like that just global economy wise right um, so you know rates I think will continue to trend upward but it's just not going to be at the rapid pace that we've seen over the course of the last you know 10-12 days
0: very true now talking about inflation and cost of um, doing business I noticed also that during a campaign trial uh, Donald Trump, uh, President-elect, mentioned about cost of uh, building in the uh, housing market.
1: Yeah, no, and I mean, you know, this is something that us in California here desperately need in terms of, you know, new construction. If you've listened to this podcast at all over the course of the last 15 episodes, you know that uh, that's our mantra, right? Just supply, supply, inventory is an issue. uh, Not just in terms of folks not wanting to sell their house, but also Mm -hmm. just failing to build enough to, to kind of accommodate our almost 40 million person population that we have here in California. Uh-huh. Um, and I think a big part of that new construction piece is is the cost of building. It's not just, um, you know, land costs, which are very high here in California. Um, but it's, you know, the cost of building in terms of regulatory Um, oversight fear of litigation right Right. projects take a long time to get done and there's a lot of um, things that can be challenged at different points in the process and and so you know that's one area that could potentially really help california is if there's some kind of a a national program that makes it easier to to build in these local kind of communities i mean The president put out some guidance on Uh how to, you know, help fight NIMBYism, or how to help um, increase building in your local jurisdiction, or convince your citizens that it's, you know, in their best interest to build and get affordability kind of more reined in. Uh, But those were just, you know, kind of guidelines and tools to help people kind of make those arguments. Uh Um, If there was a more kind of concerted and concrete effort that that made that cost of complying with the regulations, we don't want to roll back, you know the environmental controls or things like that. I know we talk about CEQA a lot. It's not about mm-hmm. you know not wanting to protect the environment, but providing a little bit more certainty um, that reduces that cost of building and, and hopefully lets us get more housing stock online. I think if some kind of a federal program could help on that front, that uh, it would provide some much needed housing supply. And that might ultimately be a positive for us here in California as a result of, of the president-elect. I mean, I think that's one nice thing about having a real estate guy in the Oval mm-hmm. Office is that, um, you know, some of these issues about the cost of building and complying with regulations, um, you know, he understands those, I think, a little bit more directly. Um, it's not a theoretical argument that he's making. It's something that he's faced in his business and in his career. True. I think uh, you're absolutely right. Having someone who
0: knows or who who, is, who has always been on the uh, developer side. That's right. Knows that about regulations, about supply, hopefully. And of course, we don't have anything in concrete, but... At least we know that that's the direction, seems like that's the direction that uh, he's going towards and supply is definitely what we need in the near future.
1: Yeah, it's just hard to know what the specific policies would look like there. I don't know. I don't have a good sense of what the exact options he has to kind of get local municipalities to to build more.
0: Okay. Well, that's good. That's good to know. Now, we want to talk... We, talk, we can talk about uh, cost of building or supply side or developers for a long time, but let's Absolutely. shift our focus a bit on the uh, consumers, on the borrowers. Yeah. And mortgage rates we talk about, but there are other things that affect mortgage rate, uh, uh, affect mortgage lending. One thing that was briefly talked about, but not a lot of, again, not a lot of details, right. is about dot frank our financial regulations course Dodd-Frank was put in place because of what happened in 2009 2010 we had a financial crisis we had a house we had a housing crisis and Dodd-Frank was put in place so that we know that uh, we don't have to lose a lending standard right but Donald Trump uh, president-elect mentioned that there's so many regulations right now it's very confusing maybe we should simplify it
1: right yeah, no. I mean, Dodd Frank was largely a reaction, I think, to the housing downturn. Right. Um, without you know necessarily thinking about the implications going forward for you know tight mortgage standards, and I mean, here we are, um, you know, six years or so after the end of the recession, and it's still very difficult to to qualify for a mortgage and I think you know Dodd-Frank is is a piece of that so what do you think is that something that or I guess maybe before we even get into like what the implications are I mean what do you think is gonna happen with with Dodd-Frank
0: yeah I mean it's 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 a very complicated act and that's why I asked you (laughs) (laughs) it's very complicated and there are two things that you can consider the two ways you can approach this the Dodd-Frank Act now on on one hand we know that for Dodd-Frank you know in order to change Dodd-Frank You need support from the Republican Party right and we know the Republican Party control both houses now yeah but here's the thing Uh, there are a lot of um, even though the uh, the Dodd-Frank is in place um, as I said you know it takes a long time to actually implement the uh, Dodd-Frank right and but no people may not necessarily know or realize that actually the um, there has been a bill that has been submitted uh, even before, a reform bill, right? A reform bill, a reform bill by one of the uh, Republican and um, uh, Republican uh, Hans Sarling.
1: Yep, uh, and who's is actually a, being considered for Treasury?
0: Definitely, and uh, it is supposed it is labeled as a pro-growth and a pro-consumer alternative to Don Frank. Gotcha. Now, if and and I want to say this, our Vice President Elect Mike Pence is actually a very, a very close to uh, the Republican hand Hanterling, uh, yeah. And there's a possibility that if we were to reform the uh, Dodd-Frank bill or Dodd-Frank Act, it is possible that we might be going into that direction. Gotcha. Um, so instead
1: of totally repealing it, maybe we just kind of go with Henserling's plan to fix it and, and make maybe some of the compliance costs and things a little bit less onerous to hopefully loosen those mortgage spigots.
0: And it will actually expedite the process of getting the uh, new bill in or reform bill in. So it may not be as complicated as we originally thought. Gotcha. And, but the thing also is, you know, if we have if we have um, the uh, Dodd Frank, uh, in pla- uh, the the reform bill in place, what could happen is, of course, the the intention was to loosen up the lending standards. To right. Make it, I, I wouldn't necessarily say loosen up a lot, but loosening up the lending standards uh, a bit more than before. That means with that reformation, with that with with that bill, we are going to see. Uh, Banks lowering their credit scores or uh, requirement yep. uh, a bit more than before. We also would see the uh, loosening standards applied to the supply side.
1: Gotcha. Uh, for the
0: consumer side, lowering re- requirement and also offering mortgage uh, new mortgage options to borrowers yep. who have been sitting on the sideline. That is on the demand side. That <laughs> means more people will be able to borrow. We might see increase in uh, housing demand. Right. But on the supply side. If they uh, uh, loosen up the standards to developers, more buildings, more uh, houses will be built.
1: Which again is one of the most critical things for California. Right, definitely, but of course there will be.
0: We have to be very, very uh, uh, careful I with totally the loosening standards.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't want to go back to, to kind of the era of ninja loans. Um, you know, where, are we we have, you know, people borrowing money that for homes that they maybe can't afford or things like that. Um, but at the same time, we've kind of swung to the opposite end of the extreme where um, credit is just so tight now. And so my hope is that you know some of these reforms, you know, don't take us all the way back to the kind of 2005 lending standards, uh, you know, in the heyday but find some kind of a happy medium where you know we're still making sure that that people have all their documentation and they qualify for these loans and that they can afford these payments Um, but at the same time kind of getting a little bit more credit out there i mean home ownership has taken a beating and you still need over a 720 credit score to get a mortgage and and it's keeping a lot of folks out who can't come in and take advantage of these great you know once in a lifetime mortgage rates that are out there and so um, that's an area that i think you know could potentially help the housing market is that we get that credit spigot flowing and and that's something at least that he's indicated uh that he's he's kind of looking towards in, in one form or another right and of, and
0: and even with we even with an introduction of this bill that is uh, already in place of course it could take it could take some time you know before it, it happens yeah but one thing that all president-elect may be able to do is remember the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau That's is right. part of the Dodd-Frank. Yeah. What he could actually do very shortly is to replace the current director mm-hmm. uh, with a person who is who values maybe more so on the anti-regulation uh, rather than the consumer protection. No, the consumer protection uh, is the reason why the consumer uh, CFPB is in place. But if you were to replace it with another person with more uh, focus on anti-regulation, that actually might th- make things uh, a little bit more loosened up.
1: Yeah. So, well, I guess, you know, like most of this stuff, it's it's kind of a wait-and-see game at this point. And, you know, we'll be kind of having to revisit this periodically to, to see what really comes down the pike in terms of concrete proposals. For sure. Um, I know
0: we do, we talk about the mortgage finance part of it. We talk about the housing market uh, quite a bit on rates, interest yeah. rates, and things like that. Let's kind of talk about very shortly about the economy as a whole because the economy obviously takes a, a is a big part of the housing uh, could make a big difference on the housing market.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think this kind of underscores what we were talking about earlier, where people are kind of betting on growth, and I think the two you know predominant reasons. That people are betting on better growth is because of the stimulus package right. that's been floated around, mainly on infrastructure. Um, and the second one is, is tax cuts. But I think the, the infrastructure one is a big one. And I think this is one that has a decent likelihood of actually uh, coming to fruition, right? I think you know if you go back over the course of the last you know four, eight years, this you know, infrastructure spending is something that Democrats talked about a lot and and really mm-hmm. seem to want to pursue. And it's something that Donald Trump says that he wants. In fact, he said, you know, I think... Current plan is for a one trillion dollar um, oh, infrastructure yeah. spending bill over the course of the next ten years. So that's Got it. that's about a hundred billion dollar shot in the arm for the U.S. economy. Um, you know, every year for the next ten years, and that's going to create jobs and put money into people's pockets for those workers um, who are going to ultimately go out and pay their rent and take their families out to eat and buy cars. True. And and so that's kind of where that that growth. That betting on growth, I think, comes from in large part is that um, you know one trillion dollars is a big chunk of money for a you know $15, 16 trillion dollar economy. For sure,
0: and then the tax cut part of it, they're simplifying. They want to simplify the tax, uh, and you know basically put more money into consumers.
1: Yeah, simplify it and also reduce the, the rates, deductible. right?
0: Yeah. Right, the, the, the deduct the deduction, right? So more money will go into the consumer side, hopefully. Um, And the consumer will be spending more. I know there will be the distribution might be a slightly different. It may not necessarily be equally distributed. That we know, and but rest assured, with consumers having more money, there will be demand, and that's why I I think many economists were were um, pretty sure that the economic growth rate for the upcoming year will be higher. But That's there's right. also a flip side. Uh, one of his policy uh, implementation or th- that he discussed, maybe not implementation yet, but that he discussed was the uh, the trade. Right. International trade. That's right. Um, seemed to be suggesting that something needs to be done uh, in order to get America back to great again as far as the uh, competitive advantage and in the international trade. That's right. A couple countries that he specifically pointed out, or maybe three but I want to uh, say specifically two is yeah. China and Mexico. That's right. And um, if uh, one suggestion that he made was to make sure that you know, if we are not getting the competitive advantage, then we will we'll level the ground, meaning possible tariff.
1: That's right. What
0: exactly do you think
1: tariff uh, could possibly mean? Well, you know, it's, it's difficult to know to what extent the kind of um, the policy is going to match up to the rhetoric. Um, it's still kind of unclear what uh, the specific options are, whether he goes in and kind of, you know, levies tariffs or actually goes in and tries to renegotiate um, the, the trade agreements that we have in place, like NAFTA. And, you know, do we ditch TPP or do we try and renegotiate some of the components of it? Um, those, I think, are open questions. But I think that, you know, the, the scary part to me is not necessarily what we do on the trade front in terms of levying tariffs. I mean, um, I did some research just quickly before we came in and there was a couple of economists from Barclays and Citi, um, you know, the big kind of investment bank type places. And they said, you know, if we jacked up tariffs on Mexico and China to 7% and 15% uh, respectively, that could be a 1% hit to our own um, GDP as kind of the cost of imports go up and consumption therefore goes down in real terms. Um, so that gives you a sense. And when we're running at something like 2% growth, right, you're talking about really kind of potentially taking out the U.S. economy at the knees. And so, um, you know, that's, that's an open question. And, and we just don't know to what extent I think that's, that's actually going to happen, or, or whether we just renegotiate and try and get American workers a better deal, or do we just kind of start building those, um, you know, tariff walls up so those goods and services can't get across.
0: And that seven to fifteen percent that you mentioned could be on a conservative side. It could be as high as. I mean, I've 30, seen things 40, saying 45 percent,
1: right? right. and so you know, it's uh, that just kind of gives you a framework with how to think about, uh, you know, a fifteen percent tariff maybe translates into a one percent hit to GDP. So you can, you know, kind of use that and extrapolate out what a forty-five percent tariff might look like. And if both countries decide to
0: retaliate then of course it hurts our importers as well export as well
1: that's that's the scary part for me honestly is is not what we do um you know u.s consumers might have to pay more for goods and services that we're importing abroad you know the iphone might become more expensive but um you know at the same time i think that the thing we've got to worry about is that you know china is a much more kind of authoritarian regime He singled out china and i think right. you know China would have a much easier time retaliating against us in terms of their political environment, right? They can just kind of flick a switch and retaliate, um, whereas, you know, here we've got a Congress and courts, and and even though, you know, it's kind of a one-party rule at this particular point in time, um, those debates still need to kind of happen and and roll through Congress before we can do anything. And so, you know, my fear is that we we attack and then we get hit back, right? That they're going to counterpunch. Very true. And you mentioned about...
0: uh let's say if we were to take you know some of the manufacturing back you know, to us even with that because our cost of doing certain things uh, for example uh building uh building an iphone or manufacturing iphone i heard this morning from a news from a news clip that apple may be considering bringing, Bring iPhone, some, jobs you know, right bringing some jobs back the manufacturing facturing part of apple back or iphone back but there's a possibility if they were to do so iPhones would have
1: increased uh, by twofold.
0: Oh, wow. instead of what 500 bucks it'll be uh, what a thousand?
1: Yeah so no more free iPhone for that two-year contract, which you know people are gonna uh, you know, pay for that. So the implication of that is you know, if we do have uh, some
0: of those jobs back, it is possible that we might actually uh, increase inflation again right so again the consumer will probably suffer slightly yeah and you know, the housing
1: market right. will suffer right because the more inflation the higher the feds gonna jack up those rates and that's, that's gonna just um, make the cost of that mortgage that much more expensive and so um, you know some positives in terms of looking at you know what's going to happen with economic stimulus and potentially loosening standards on mortgages that's actually going to help the housing market true. Um, you know, and even on the on the kind of tax cut side and infrastructure spending, but then on the flip side, you know, we've got higher rates and, and potential for kind of more global economic, you know, turmoil, I guess, for lack of a better term, that could ultimately hurt us. So, you know, which one's going to win, it's, it's not necessarily clear to me at this point.
0: Very, very true. And if you have to give uh, a sense of whether consumers or buyers have to uh, jump into the market now, what you mentioned earlier about rates course, we, the the only thing that we kind of a little bit more certain about is rates. The rates movement pretty much suggests that you know, if for home buyers, you probably should try to go into the market and take a look and take advantage of the low rates right now.
1: Yeah, I think three point four percent is is largely going to be in the rearview mirror from here on out. Yeah, that's very very true. And at the same time, of course. With people coming into
0: the market, that really—that usually means when you have demand, especially for California, when you have demand and we don't have enough supply, we might be looking for a further increase in home
1: prices. And that's just more of an affordability crunch. And that so. is definitely an affordability issue. Well, I think the one thing that's not uncertain is that we will be continuing to talk about this <laughs> in the weeks, months, and years to come. So you
0: bet. There are a lot of uh, things that we are not sure. Um, between now and then, I'm sure the next few episodes we will continue to talk, touch upon this particular subject. And but until next year, we probably could not add a lot of uncertainty, uh, a lot of certainties to the topic. But we will continue to visit. And until then, as we know, you'll know. All right, thank you for uh, uh, listening to us again. Uh, make sure you tune in again in two weeks. See you next time. Bye bye.